pyramid ponzi mlm the world of fraudulent schemes is very very bizarre so many people really have no idea absolutely no idea how they are engrossed in wide spanning operations to literally rob them each time has its fair share of expertise and prevalence from billions of dollars in coordinated heists to street of money laundering but hold on are you also the one who thinks all of these are the same a pyramid scheme is a ponzi scheme or both make mlm nope not even close and this is where it gets very interesting right pump and dumps racketeering kazima fraud how is the fbi involved from charles ponzi duping 20 million dollars and coining the very term to the largest ponzi scheme in wall street history by bernie madoff not to mention multi level marketing schemes we have a lot to cover how about life to high tech marketing and from so called hustle bros promoting their non existent products on instagram to your friends being peer pressured into it this episode covers everything sketchy unsustainable business models to the albanian pyramid scheme the disaster it was to the sheer economics of multi level marketing schemes we cover all of it let's get right into it rose intro cash me if you can your gateway into the world of financial freedom first up pyramid schemes a pyramid scheme is an unsustainable business model in which initial investors profit from the recruitment of other rather than from the sale of actual goods or services as simple as that but let me break it down for you pyramid schemes get their names because obviously they resemble a pyramid ta starting with a single point at the top and gradually winding towards the bottom The model works by requiring new investors to make a one-time payment before being allowed to participate in the scheme, and the funds raised from the recruits are used to repay the initial investors. After that, new members are promised money if they can recruit even more people into the scheme. The scheme is literally built in the shape of a pyramid, and the one person at the top is the chain of the command, the original recruiter. that person recruits another person who must invest a certain amount of money and after that the upfront payment is made to the actual recruiter now the new recruiter must recruit another member under him to recoup his investment each of whom will make an initial investment so if the recruiter can convince 10 or more people to join they will have made a significant profit on a small investment each of the newly recruited members is responsible for recruiting additional members a person earns a substantial profit for every 10 people they recruit minus the initial payment made to the person recruited them the scheme's recruitment continues to a point where it can no longer sustain itself the breaking point those at the top of the pyramid have made huge profits while those at the bottom have lost all their money now the problem with the pyramid scheme is that it won't last very long there is no limit to how many people can join members are duped into believing that investing will result in significant profits but in reality the scheme has rarely resulted in wealth creation and the scheme's organizers have rarely purchased assets pyramid schemes are a form of fraud they can appear genuine like in mlm business opportunities and they frequently sell national products perhaps even one you have heard of however 
becoming a distributor for a pyramid scheme can cost you and your recruits, often your family and friends, a significant amount of time and money that you will not be able to recoup. Pyramid scheme promoters may try to recruit you by making promises about how much money you'll make. They may claim that selling the company's products can help you change your life, career, and even become wealthy. This is a fabrication. Your earnings would be based primarily on the number of people you recruit rather than the amount of product you sell. Pyramid schemes encourage everyone to keep recruiting new distributors to keep a steady stream of new money flowing into the business. Even if you already have more inventory than you can use or sell, you'll be encouraged or even forced to buy a certain amount of product at regular intervals in a pyramid scheme. You may even be required to purchase products before being paid or receiving specific bonuses and like you may also be required to pay recurring fees or other services such as training sessions or costly marketing material. Furthermore, the company may claim that you can earn lavish rewards such as prizes, bonuses, exotic vacations and luxury cars by working for them. However, it frequently turns out that to qualify for the rewards, you must meet certain product purchases, recruitment training or other goals. And only a tiny percentage of distributors ever do. Most distributors eventually discover that no matter how hard they try, they can't sell enough inventory to hire enough people to make a profit. They can't keep up with the required fees or inventory purchases to qualify for the rewards and they can't earn enough money to cover their own costs. Most people eventually run out of money, are forced to quit and lose everything they've ever invested. So on Investopedia, I came across this good example actually. Like, let's say the number one represents the founder of the scheme called Mike, who sits alone at the top of the heap. Assume Mike recruits 10 second tier people to the level directly below him and each newbie is required to pay him a cash fee to join. Not only do those buy-in fees go straight to Mike's pocket, but each of the 10 new members must also recruit 10 tier 3 members for a total of 100 who must pay fees to tier 2 members who must then send a percentage of their earnings back up to Mike. Now, there are many kinds of pyramid schemes. The first is MLM or multi-level marketing. Unlike traditional marketing schemes, MLM is a legal business practice involving the sale of actual goods or services. On the other hand, participants are not required to close any sales. They must recruit members below them to generate income because they will sell printed material with no real value, such as educational courses. Some MLMs are nearly indistinguishable from pyramid schemes. These MLM schemes thrive by forcing recruits to purchase low-value products at exorbitant prices and then to sell the same products to the next generation of members. MLMs or multi-level marketing companies manufacture and sell products directly to consumers through a network of independent sellers known as distributors. Distributors appear to operate similarly to regular business owners in many ways, like paying fixed costs to manage sales, shipping, invoicing, and inventory for retail profit. However, in the case of MLMs, the MLM sets the parameters for entry, prices, products, and even profits. The importance of recruitment sets MLM apart from other businesses and occupations. And MLM distributors' success is thereby determined by their ability persuade and recruit others to join the company. And as a result, each distributor must also act as a recruiter. MLMs usually charge potential distributors a high fixed cost to join the company 
including registration fees, inventory requirement, and trading materials. Now, the annual cost can range from a few hundred to several thousand dollars. LuLaRoe, for example, charges a $5,000 registration fee, while Herbalife requires consultant to buy a $2,500 wholesale product a month to maintain a discount and make a retail profit. MLMs frequently offer financial and non-financial incentives to potential recruits such as discounted products, promotional materials, sales leads, and time training. MLMs often prohibit distributors from selling products in a physical store, forcing them to market and generate revenue through social media. Social connections formed within churches, workplaces, and communities around similar personal interests such as a parent, immigrant, and neighborhood groups may be included in these very social networks. And within the same social networks, a recruiter must consider the cost of strategic substitutes. There will be more sales and recruitment competition if multiple distributors are in the same network, reducing the residual demand and potential success in the MLM. As a result, the entry of a neighboring distributor is a strategic substitute for one's initial success in MLM. That makes multi-level marketing a broad term that encompasses a wide range of multi-level business structures. And each MLM company has its own compensation plan for its distributors, which typically includes bonuses and commissions based on the distributor's level within the company. Two criteria can be used to categorize these compensation plans. The first is the commission-based payment method, specifically whether commissions or bonuses are paid based on sales or recruitment. And the second is based on the number of distributors in each level or the number of total levels there is. Now, consider a pyramid to understand better how MLM works. Take Forbes example for a moment. Alice, let's say, is the direct marketing company's first direct hire for an independent distributor. Alice ascends to the pinnacle of the pyramid. Alice finds five independent distributors, each of whom finds five more independent distributors, and so on. This completes the pyramid upon which direct marketing company Pieces his product sales. Everyone Alice recruits have Alice as a sponsor or upline. Her downline is made up of people she recruits as well as the people they recruit. In most MLM schemes, the directions of these relationships are essential to remember because they affect how much money everyone in the pyramid earns. All distributors contribute a portion of their earnings to the company and their upline. MLM distributors make money by selling products to people they know. So, MLM distributors make money by selling products to people they know, earning commissions from each person as they recruit into the company and they recruit sales and recruits. So, what distinguishes one from the other as a legal rules? It all comes down to the composition plan's focus on sales versus recruitment. If an MLM is not a pyramid scheme, it will pay you based on your sales to retail customers without having to recruit new distributors. On the other hand, pyramid schemes rely on the continuous recruitment of due-paying members to stay afloat, even if this means members must continue to buy products that they may not be able to sell. To be compliant or to not be a pyramid scheme, an MLM must follow the 70% rule, which states that non-distributors must purchase at least 70% of all the goods sold. The main findings suggest that MLM companies will have a limited number of levels. Indeed, based on reasonable assumptions, 
the number of levels will be no more than 9 and most likely no more than 6 under such circumstances the typical distributor's earning potential from recruiting new distributors is severely limited this hypothesis is also supported by the findings of few empirical studies that have been published around this however to almeny and cory rasin researchers who work closely with former multi-level marketing distributors after they leave direct sales proving that an mlm isn't in compliance is extremely difficult it is nearly impossible to determine whether a distributor has unsold products stashed in their garage or closet mlms for the most part thereby take their distributors word for it even if a distributor sold 70% of their inventory in a month the financial freedom promised by many mlms could not be obtained solely through direct sales so obviously when it comes to mlm compensation plans the real money is made to recruitment and mlm companies typically fail when suppliers or distributors revolt against unethical business practices as in the recent lularo scandal in short vendors have sued lularo for unpaid invoices and customers who received defective merchandise have filed a class action lawsuit against the company the company also recently reached an agreement with the state of washington which had accused it of operating an illegal pyramid scheme Now on the surface multi-level marketing companies appear to be an excellent way for people to become business owners and captains of their own ships earning money from products they believe in according to consumer awareness institute 99% of people get this 99% of people who participate in MLMs lose money as they struggle to resell products and recruit members for network marketing companies that frequently skirt the line between legality and conceal the actual participation costs from participants Furthermore, some MLMs tactics can have a psychological and financial impact on distributors. Then, we have Ponzi schemes. A Ponzi scheme is a type of investment fraud in which customers are promised a significant profit with little or no risk. Companies that engage in a Ponzi scheme devote all their resources to attracting new investors. This new revenue is used to pay original investors their profits, labeled as legitimate transaction profit. Ponzi schemes rely on a steady stream of new investment to pay out returns to existing investors. The scheme falls apart when the flow runs out. In 1920, a con artist named Charles Ponzi coined the term Ponzi scheme. In 1919, Charles Ponzi's first scheme targeted the US Postal Service. The Postal Service had developed international reply coupons, which allowed senders to purchase postage stamps ahead of time. and included in their correspondence the recipient would take the voucher off to a nearby post office and exchange it for the priority airmail postage stamps required to respond arbitrage is the term used for this type of transaction which is not illegal ponzi on the other hand became greedy and increased his efforts he promised returns of 50% in 45 days or 100% in 90 days under the banner of his company securities exchange company investors were immediately drawn to him due to his success with the postage stamp scheme ponzi simply redistributed the money instead of investing it telling the investor that they had made a profit this scheme lasted until august of 1920 when the securities exchange company was investigated by the boston post ponzi was arrested by federal authorities due to the newspaper investigation and he was charged with several counts of mail fraud so before i go to bonnie meroff Let me see this. A Ponzi scheme is a type of deceptive investment scheme. It entails using payments received from new investors to repay previous investors. 
Ponzi scheme organizers typically promise to invest the money they collect in order to generate extraordinary profits with little to no risk. Ponzi schemes are managed by a central operator who uses money from new incoming investors to pay off older investors' promised returns. Even though no actual profit is made, the operation appears to be profitable as well as legitimate. Meanwhile, the scheme's mastermind keeps the cash or invests it in expanding the business. Ponzi schemes encourage investors to stay in their game and even earn more money in order to avoid having too many investors reclaim their profits. The investing strategies used are ambiguous and secretive to protect the schemer's business. Then all they have to do is tell investors how much money they are regularly making without actually providing any returns. Ponzi schemes aren't typically very long-lasting, like after the operator withdraws the remaining investment funds and fees, the investors become harder to come by, causing the cash flow to dry up and too many kind of investors withdraw their request returns, the setup eventually crumbles, we all know how it ends. Now, it's time for the biggest Ponzi scheme in the history of Wall Street. Bernie Madoff was sentenced to 150 years in prison in 2009 for running a massive pyramid scheme from which only a few of his victims have recovered. The DOJ had returned approximately 3.2 billion to Madoff's victims by 2020. Madoff, a well-known financer, duped thousands of investors into handling over their savings by promising them guaranteed profits. In December 2008, 11 fraud, money laundering, perjury, and theft were filed. Despite his claims of high returns via trading strategy known as a split-strike conversion, Madoff simply deposited client funds into a single bank account to pay existing clients who requested cash-outs. He paid for redemptions by attracting new investors and their funds, but the markets crashed in late 2008. He confessed to his sons, who he claims were unaware of the scheme, on December 10, 2008. The next day, they reported him to the cops. Too bad. According to last year's financial statements, client assets totaled $64.8 billion. Madoff pled guilty in 2009 to 11 federal felonies, including securities fraud, wire fraud, mail fraud, perjury, and money laundering. The Ponzi scheme became a powerful symbol of the greed and dishonesty that critics claim characterized Wall Street prior to the financial crisis. While Madoff received a 150-year prison sentence and was ordered to forfeit $170 billion in assets, no other high-profile Wall Street figures were prosecuted. Clients demanded a $7 billion return, which Madoff declined. Unfortunately for Madoff, he only had about $300 million to give away. So when did Madoff's Ponzi scheme get underway? Frank T. Piscali, his account manager, who had been with the firm since 1975, said the fraud had been going on for as long as he can remember. It's also unclear why Madoff carried out the scheme. Legally, Madoff could have earned the respect of Wall Street elites as a market maker and pioneer of electronic trading. Madoff admitted to Fishman that he was not entirely to blame for the fraud. He just, apparently, let himself get talked into something, declining to say who talked him into it. And quoting him, I figured I'd be able to get out after a while. I expected to be able to do it quickly, but I couldn't. The so-called Big Four, Carl Shapiro, Jeffrey Bikover, Stanley Cheese, and Norm Levy, have drawn out attention due to a long and profitable relationship with Madoff. 
he had known these men since the 1960s and 70s and his scheme netted each of them hundreds of millions of dollars everyone was greedy and everyone wanted to keep going mayor of explained to fishman he claimed that because the number of feeder funds pumped client funds to him the big four and others must have known or should have known about his returns another reason mayor of went unnoticed for so long despite mind you multiple sec reports of ponzi scheme suspicious was his extensive knowledge and involvement in the financial industry in 1960 he established his own market maker firm and assisted in the very establishment of the nasdaq he served on the board of the national association of securities dealers and advised the securities and exchange commission on securities trading it was simple to believe that the seasoned pro knew exactly what to do according to cnn money Despite defrauding clients out of 65 billion dollars, Mira fully pocketed 20 billion dollars. That's little comfort to his thousands of investors. Following the symbolic 150 year sentence, other convictions related to Mira's schemes were handed down, and due to Mira's time at the age, his lawyers requested that his sentence be reduced to 7 then 12, but the judge refused. The judge described it as extraordinarily evil. Mira requested a compassionate release from prison in 2020 suffering kidney disease it was refused and he passed away so lastly i want to leave you with nothing but a few red flags what you should look out for firstly promise of high returns with minimal risk in the real world every investment one makes carries with it some degree of risk in fact investments that offer high returns typically carry more risk So if someone offers you an asset with high returns and few risks it is likely to be a too good to be true deal chances are the investor won't see any returns secondly overly consistent returns investment experience fluctuate all the time for example if you invest in shares of a given company there are times when you will see that the share prices will increase and decrease that said Investors should always be skeptical of investments that generate high returns consistently regardless of the fluctuating market conditions. Thirdly, unregistered investments. Before rushing to invest in a scheme, it's essential to confirm whether the investment company is registered with state regulators. If it's registered, then an investor can access information regarding the company to determine whether it's legitimate. Fourth, unlicensed sellers. According to federal and state law in the United States, one should possess a specific license or be registered with a regulating body. And most Ponzi schemes deal with unlicensed individuals and companies, because obviously. And lastly, secretive, sophisticated strategies. If you don't understand it, avoid it. As simple as that. So, that was all about it for today. Thank you for sticking by till the end. I think I have told you enough for you to not be duped by another friend of yours pouring their heart and soul into an MLM scheme again. Generally, those are the most annoying ones. I know. Anyways, I hope you took away something from it. Gained awareness. Share this episode with your friends. They desperately need it. Trust me. And yeah, have a great day. I'll see you exactly next Sunday. Review the podcast if you like it, and yeah, keep cashing. Bye.